Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp podcast. This is a commission podcast. It's commissioned by Bald Move fan Brian S. We appreciate his support. Uh, we'll get to his comments here in a minute. Uh, but I want to talk about Invincible a little bit. Uh, it was released on Amazon streaming platform, the Amazon Prime platform, March 25th, 2021. It's an adult animated superhero uh, series. It's based on an image comic series, uh, also called Invincible. And, uh, okay, brace yourself. It was, it was written and conceived by one Robert Kirkman. Mm. I know, I know, I know. But we'll just see how it goes. Uh, he's listed as an executive producer on the show, as well as Corey Walker, who was the uh, first artist. And, you know, first artist of series always sets the tone, gets, sets the style. Uh, but then all the others, except for, like, I think one through eight were done by Ryan Otley, um, who was also executive creator on the show. Executive producer, rather. Stars of vo- vocal talents of Stephen Young from The Walking Dead, Glenn, out from his dumpster, Sandra O, oh, and J.K. Simmons. Um, Among others, do, the voice uh, oh, cast dude, of this I, is phenomenal. I've got three paragraphs of, of, of notes about the voice <laughs> casting. It's just uh, it, it's a fucking reunion show for The Walking Dead, it yeah. turns out, uh, among other things. Um but this is one of those superhero deconstructions. Like, you think you know Superman? Well, what if this? Uh, and I remember, I mean, that, you know, when we do a commission podcast, uh, we always look at the thing that the person's asking us to watch, and we kind of give our first opinions. And I, I shot back at Brian. No, Brian, Brian's no stranger to commission pro- process. He also did Babylon 5, which I also gave him a shaky, I don't know, I've always heard Babylon 5's kind of lame. <laughs> That special effects pretty bad, like five year arc. How the hell are you going to pull two or three episodes and have us give something? Yeah, the fucking man did it. He did it. And I thought that was a really good podcast. I really enjoyed Babylon five. Same deal. Like, man, Jim's really sick of cape shit. Robert <laughs> Kirkman. It's a fucking cartoon. Like you're having us watch the first and last episode. This seems like a crazy thing. He's like, no, nah, I'm pretty confident that you'll get it. I. So I at, at around that same time, the memes of this show started taking off. There was all this like who I have come to understand is Omni-Man, the J.K. Simmons. Like there's the think Mark think meme. There's the uh, look at what they have to do to mimic a fraction of our power meme. There's the the psychosexual meme about his mo- the uh, mother as a pet. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to get spoiled just by everyone having fun with this show. So I went ahead and, and I watched the first episode and was so blown away by the end. I just kept watching. So I've seen the whole series. Jim, welcome to the show, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you did the assignment. You, you did what the assignment required, seeing the first and last episode. Uh huh. How, how did you feel about Invincible? Uh, can I ask you a question first? How much of this show is well okay let me issue a warning first huge spoilers on this show and i'm about to get into them because i need to ask this question in order to answer to to like settle my feelings on it because okay how much of the show portrays omni-man as the protagonist versus how much are we supposed to identify with invincible well i would say that um there is a a lot of the season is a mystery about why what happened what was responsible for it and why and what you saw was essentially the reveal of the true nature of what was going on but you can't roll back the last scene of episode one you you can't 
Well, so, I was so, going to have a debate with you okay. about that very thing about like, what if, you know? Okay. Well then I, I guess here's the thing. I, I was up until the end of episode one thinking that Omni-Man was a significant protagonist in this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my feelings, you know, as intended were betrayed at the end of that episode. And then skipping right ahead to the part where he is just the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a visceral sort of uh, anger and disgust with that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, through, kind of through the eyes of Invincible, you know. Mm-hmm. But but it was like more intense than most things. I, I wasn't I, I wasn't like impressed. I, I was impressed by the animation and stuff. But like when it became gory. And it became like over the top gory. It mm. it like compounded the feelings of anger and disgust I had with that character to a place where like it, I very rarely get with characters wow. because normally they're characters. But this guy was so fucking vile in my uh, in my opinion that I, I just almost like couldn't watch the show. And yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying I, I really enjoyed it. But man, did it like push all of my negative emotion buttons. I will say in response to that, that I think that like seeing more of it makes that probably makes it maybe more intense. But it also I I think that what they're trying to do is to like model an abusive relationship about like, Mm -hmm. you know, how you have these doubts, but they're this they've they've been this way before. And, you know, up to the point where you don't even believe what they're saying when they're actually telling you, like, no, I'm actually a terrible person. You know, Um, it reminded me a lot of it, like what that does to your I think your psychology. And that's obviously, you know, uh, I think you're supposed to supposed to have on your mind. But I I think that like um, because, yeah, you want to you you don't want you 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 uh, the audience is. Um, the audience is, is has something revealed to them that they have to deal with that the other characters don't have to deal with for quite some time. Yeah. So yeah. there is like this weird like dissonance as an audience where it's like, you know, there everything's kind of going along like it always has been. But there's also kind of a pal because like, what the fuck happened? You know, um, what you know, how do you explain this? Yeah. And there's got to be some explanation. And is it have something to do with Mark getting his powers? Like, why is what's all the what's all the fucking hostility coming from? Is there some kind of thing that we don't know? And the, you know, the final reveal of like everything that we didn't know. Well, uh, and I got is, that is a hell of a lot. Like, yeah. uh, I, I got the full dose of that immediately afterward. Right. Like not mm-hmm. watching the rest of the series, you get like the betrayal and then it just continues from there. It's not yeah. like you have six episodes to sit around and navel gaze about why he did this. It, 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 you know, so that's one of the other big questions I have. Um, well, I'll come back to it. So I think what, like the major contributing factor for my emotions in this scene was the impotence that invincible feels in those moments. And Uh me as an audience member and like real world shit that happens and that same feeling creeping into your real life and then translated onto the screen here is fucking horrible. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh to say it very much worked on the level it was Mm -hmm. trying to work on. So Mm -hmm. it's weird because like it's it's funny because I think that this works remarkably well as a standalone act one act three. It's missing. Clearly, it's missing the act two. Yeah. But you can see this as a really tight, like two hour, 15 minute movie. 
Oh, just, a, sure. just a barest bit of like grappling with what's happened and poking around trying to figure out why and is there any other explanation like you know because there's a lot of um you know expanded universe stuff that happens in the middle here it's like you know mark has to take over from his dad while he's recovering the hospital and there's an alien threat and there's all kinds of like you know he's leveling up and he's mm-hmm. uh learning how to deal with like a hidden identity they really deal a lot in the middle chapters about like the corrosive aspects of lying in a like a secret identity like you just appear like you're the worst sort of friend and boyfriend to people I bet. when you're in a position like superman or spider-man where it's yeah. like at any second you can hear someone crying and what are you going to do fucking sit there and 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 uh, be on a date with your girlfriend and let that person die or you know yeah um, they get to that with red of- rush uh in one of the scenes that i saw when he yeah, like well, on a picnic that's the great thing is like that was like because i was like the first episode i got to the end you know the quote unquote end and i'm like huh i cannot imagine what's going to happen in the next slightly over an hour of television that's going to blow my fuck and i had no sooner than then like the post-credit scene mm-hmm. it's like this really wonderful kind of like vignette of like all the different essentially justice league analogs and like their kind of human foibles and struggles and what's important to them and like just yeah, like that, uh, the Red Rush is a essentially a distillation of one of my favorite three art comic lines of all time, an old X Factor where Quicksilver, the Scarlet Witch's brother, just lines out to a therapist how fucking excruciating it is yeah. to stand in line at a bank. <laughs> like, imagine spending five years in a, and that's what it's like for him because his brain is not just as, everything happens at a, at, at blinks of an eye with him. Yeah. And like they did that and then also kind of turned it into like a sweet romantic thing, um, mm-hmm. which I really I yeah, I, I think this I think the show um, I think the show is great. I think the uh, I, I'm just very impressed by Brian's idea to just have the first and last because it works so well. It did. You definitely know you're missing something. But yeah, some of my questions are around that is like, OK. Okay, I think I picked up that the old guy with the scarred up face and the long hair is the president, but I only really do that because he's wearing an American flag pin. He's kind of more like a Nick Fury. Like he's like the secret. uh, He's the CIA of superheroes kind of guy. Okay. All right. Um, Played by Walton Goggins. There's a lot you can tell has gone on, right? There's like some backstory with twins and, and robots and. Sure. Shit like that. I, I didn't There's know a whole anything like, about super that. squad that you had no idea. No idea who they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Some elastic guy who can stretch himself. I, mm-hmm. it, it, what I can only describe is like Charlie from Always Sunny in uh, you know Green Woman suit <laughs> who like phase shifts <laughs> through stuff. I yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I think I don't know. Well, those are those are the characters that like you pretty much know, and then they something happens to them. But I'm talking about the teenage ones, like. Uh, you know, there is one um, the squad oh. are like debating about what to do. And, you know, they are told to stay here and they're just here to help people. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of stuff has apparently gone on. That brings up the question, though. What the hell did they do with Omni Man during those six episodes? Because he's so clearly and obviously the villain. Mm-hmm. Do, do they how do they handle that with the audience knowing he's done something terrible? And well, it's the great. Rest of the characters not knowing. It's actually done really well because um, I think they did a okay. Let's go ahead and just say um, I want to. I want to do one other thing before we get heavy hardcore into spoilers. Um, because oh, so far we haven't really spoiled there. anything that doesn't get spoiled in the first episode. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I want to tell you about the fucking voice cast, and yeah. then we're going to get into spoilers. Um, amongst this is just a highlight reel. We had we're talking about Stephen Young, uh, Sandra O, J.K. Simmons, Jillian Jacobs, uh, from Community, Britta from Community, Andrew Rannells, uh, was from uh, uh, the, the Book of Mormon, uh, from all the seasons of Girls. Walton Goggins, Justified, of course, Zachary Quinto, Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other? Skyler. Uh, save- Skyler, right. Save the world. Save- Skyler. Save- <laughs> what, what, what the fuck was the name of that show, though? Heroes. Heroes. Thank yeah. you. Mahershala Ali, Michael Dorn, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Roiland, uh, and here, we'll get, get ready for the Walking Dead reunion tour, Carrie Payton, King Ezekiel, Lauren Cohen, Maggie, Sonequa Martin-Green, uh, shit sasha mm-hmm. chad coleman her brother my father uh michael cudlitz lenny james uh just incredible mark hamill does a cameo in this show zazie beats from atlanta uh john clancy Ham. brown john Ham- yeah it's like there's just oh, herschel ali seth rogan uh jamon hansu which you know from a lot of stuff oh yeah yeah Guardians reginald vel johnson who the hell is that? <laughs> Steve Urkel's neighbor, Carl Winslow. No way! Uh-huh. Carl Winslow's in this? Plays the uh, principal, I guess. Oh, I was going to say, is, is he one of the guards at the beginning is talking about his son? Um, I, uh, this has just got a... And one of the... There's, there's a couple principal joys in the show. One is, like, I think they're, they got pretty good music. There's a lot of Run the mm-hmm. Jewels. Yeah. Um, and also, just recognizing the voice cast is a delight. And seeing yeah. which ones... Because, like, Stephen Young... He's actually putting the performance. It, he doesn't he's sound like Glenn right? from The Walking Dead. Yeah, he's okay. actually putting a little bit of I don't know teenage. Yeah, a uh, little squeak in his voice. He's he's actually not just. Most of these people are just fucking to being themselves. Like J.K. Simmons is fucking J.K. Simmons. And yeah, he yeah, fits this character. It's essentially Superman with like a Ron Swanson mustache, mm-hmm. um, and the body of like an Atlasian god. Uh, and he just like fucking crushes it. He's so good, and that's. The other thing is, yeah, okay, so I got all that away. Highly recommend this if you if you like at all these de- you know these hero deconstruction movies. If you're a fan of Suicide Squad, if you're a fan of Watchmen, if you're a fan of the Boys, especially, man, this this is a real bar raiser for the Boys. Is when I, I was like, man, I hope the Boys are watching this because this is the new state of the art. You should check this out. Um, let's get to. Let's get to uh, uh, Brian's thoughts, and then he's got a whole bunch of questions for the end of the podcast. Let's let him introduce this. He says, probably like you guys, I sat with my eyes narrowed and my arms crossed when I started this show. I'm getting tired of the cape shit, as you guys put it. I heard that it's like the boys, which I love, but it's also skeptical about it being an inferior clone of the show. I feel like Invincible, however, stood out by deconstructing the superhero genre in a totally different way from the Watchmen of the boys uh, in a way that's even more crushing of the superhero fantasy. In Watchmen or the Boys, the majority of the soups are severely flawed or outright scumbags, so obviously no one would want to live in that world. But Invincible, 99% of the superheroes are in fact noble, and Kirkman shows how horrific a world with even that premise is. Summed up best when Debbie Grace and Mark's mother casually disregards the White House being destroyed for the thir- third time that year. You see innocents are casually slaughtered in superhero, superhero versus villain battles and taken just like they uh, died in a car accident. It's just become a normal course of life on this planet. Snyder tried to touch on this in some of the Superman movies, but it doesn't quite sink in like the raw carnage and brutality of Invincible. 
Above this, the other reason I commissioned the podcast was they had me on my toes and my heart pounding in a way that I had not felt in a while, much like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, or The Leftovers. I'm in no way comparing the storytelling of those shows to this one, but they do share the ability to make characters feel very real and then very much in extreme danger. Uh, the show also unleash, unleashes the pure soups carnage I can only hope to see someday in The Boys, besides we, the taste we got during Home Lasers or Homelander's <laughs> Lasers Eyes Daydream. Um, yeah, that last one, man, there's shit that this show gets up to in that final episode that is just like definitively fucked up. I yeah. don't know that you can take it to a higher level. And the fact that it's like a father son abuse situation makes it like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the boys obviously has all the pieces there to do this. But let me, let me ask you that, because Invincible predates the boys by quite a bit. Um, uh, the, the comics you're talking about? Yeah. Do you okay. think if they do like, do you think that the boys can like nail a Homelander son plot in the same way that kind of Invincibles has already done it? Or do you think that even if they nail it, it's going to feel kind of derivative and passe? And also, what was Amazon thinking by having these two things on its own platform? Uh, it's a good question. It's like what uh, Idris Elba said in the Suicide Squad. It's like, what? What did you bring? We both have the exact same skill set, the exact same background. Like we're we're just competition on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. Whatever. I I don't have a huge problem with multiple shows that are similar being on the same network. It, don't watch one if you don't want that much of it. Um, I yeah. Do I think they could do this with the boys, Homelander and his son? I feel like. Homelander and his son are fundamentally going to have a different relationship because you look at how young the kid is um, and it starts off similar, but like the kid is not 17. The kid isn't formed yet. Right. So a lot of his opinions and shit are going to come from Homelander, whereas Invincible is kind of like a, you know, fully formed adult at this point. He's like supposed to be 17 or something. Yeah, I bet he's got a lot of fucking opinions. Um, and those opinions would be hard to change, even if you wanted to. And they had very different uh, growing up, you know, like Mark, um, yeah. the 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 main guy from Invincible, grew up in uh, what, by all appearances, was a loving home. Uh, with yeah, a and a normal was, kid's life, sure. Yeah, with a father who, who was a superhero he looked up to and was a, a guardian and a paragon of good and all this stuff. So, like, you know, Homelander showing up at It'd be the same thing as Omni-Man showed up on his uh, Mark's ninth birthday and it's like, hey, your mom's full of shit. We're actually gods. Come bounce with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think they can do it differently emotionally. But like as far as like what he's saying here, the brutality, the carnage, the just sheer fucked upness, like I don't know they can top it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, animation definitely gives them the freedom to do a lot of that stuff pretty easily and cheaply. Um but maybe it would be more effective when it's done live action. I don't know. It's just, yeah, like I, I saw a couple things coming, like when he was trying to save that lady from the collapsed building. And as soon as he got to the rubble and he saw it, I hold of her hand. I'm like, oh, I know it. Yep. That's exactly yeah. what happened. But then just as I was processing that, then they did the subway sequence, uh huh, which was like deeply fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like I imagine Imagine being like the uh, like a webcam on the surface of a uh, uh, the edge of an axe going through a log, except mm-hmm. for the log is a subway tube full of people. 
and you're going to see all that shit in 4k a thousand frames a second yeah. and that's that that sequence and it's just wild wild how how affecting it is uh yeah the animation can't be understated or can't be overstated in this show uh it's so good and there are things with the animation that they do that i haven't really seen before granted i don't watch a ton of animation right i'm sure you know the japanese have gotten up to some crazy shit from time to time uh but one of the things that stood out i don't it's not like super flashy but when they're fighting in midair and like one of them will get punched super hard and kind of go, you know, ass over tea kettle flipping around mm-hmm. in air, in the air. The animation kind of follows them in this whip panning motion mm-hmm. that's like super disorienting, but also really cool. Yeah, yo, I I agree. Like they 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 essentially take peak Justice League because like the you know DC animation style going all the way back from Batman the animated series, I think is very slick and good, uh-huh. and this is very reminiscent of that, like a little bit of a a brighter palette. But they've got that fluidity and the mm-hmm. action is just really, really good. Um, you know, like early on in this episode, Omni-Man gives like Invincible a few tips about like, you know, giving a punch and finding your own, making your own uh, leverage and all that. And like that shit like carries through. Yeah. Um, there's like a real sense of physics and stuff, even though it's unreal and there's people dancing in air. It feels right. There's there's real impact and momentum. And most of the fights are pretty weighty emotional stakes or what the fuck moment so there's never one that's just mm-hmm. like ah this is just you know there's a couple that are cotton you know popcorn and cotton candy early on yeah. in his career just to be funny or ironic there's a there's a rick and morty shit that goes on i think in episode three or two while uh, omni omni man is sidelined you asked me how the fuck they deal with omni man mm-hmm. um and the answer is he's beat almost to a, a coma from his fight with the like it took everything he had to beat the combined guardians of the earth is and and he was like in a superhero hospital for like the first three or so episodes and then kind of recuperating and then um they have this character that's essentially hellboy but he's a supernatural detective and he's going around like he's the one person that doesn't be believe the cover story which is Someone lured the guardians there and false pretenses. It was a super, super terrestrial or whatever threat. It beat the shit out of everybody, but beat him so bad. The Omni man didn't even have a memory or, and it's like a just giant tragedy. Um, And he's the only one that doesn't believe it and keeps kind of like pulling on those threads and pulling on those threads. But Omni man for whatever inscrutable reasons as a Vitruvian or whatever the fuck he is feel like like has to keep up the facade you know he's not ready um and and that's that i guess that's the big questions that i have is i'm not sure i fully understand like why omni-man felt like he had to kill the guardians as soon as the sun manifested power why he bounced from the planet exactly mm-hmm. um there's a lot of his motivations that are somewhat inscrutable um because he pretends to be superman for seven episodes and then reveals himself as general Zod yeah. at the end. And he's like, you know, he's got this kind of like what I would call a deeply flawed ideology and viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but who's to say he might be 20,000 years old. And you know, like what, what I mean, I found myself like, how would I argue against this guy's thesis? If I was like a human, you know, in some kind of well, intergalactic court and it's hard to right? Yes, in some ways. In other ways, not really. I mean, this is not a guy that's going to listen to reason. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Hey, number one, you got to remember that Uh, if you want to try and make an argument. Well, he makes the argument that like 
the human's life, his his time here on Earth has been but a speck in his life. Uh, you know, spent years and years on this planet, and how insignificant you know the lives, the fifty to a hundred years of life that humans get is in the grand scheme of things. Well, turn that back on him. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, okay, you live twenty thousand years. That's but a speck to the universe. The universe doesn't give right. a shit about you. You are insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Exactly the same way that humans are, just a little bit bigger. Yeah. Who gives and a shit? Want, yeah, I mean, like, that's. But like, you're right. Would he actually listen no, to that? Because of it's kind not. of like it's kind of like a lamb trying to stop you as you're slaughtering it to ask, like, you know, but is this the system that we really want, brother? You know, right. Um, right. And the other thing is like that that gets mixed up is like. Uh, from he describes this society that they're building, this uh, vit, vit, vitramen society or whatever, the V-Man society is like this idyllic place. Like if you just submit to a rule, you'll have right. You know, you'll essentially live longer, have healthier lives, no wars because we just essentially settle all the planetary hash and all that kind of stuff. All you have to do is essentially submit to our rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, but I don't know, like, is that, a true is that a is that a true pro offer you know like or what what is life on one of these planets actually like you know what does it mean to be enslaved by these people um right but it's also like you said there's this impotence and inevitability because like these guys have already conquered thousands of planets the only reason they slowed down is because their birth rate apparently is abysmal like so even if you disagree with them how the fuck would you stop them like a unified planet a superman taking over the galaxy Mm -hmm. Um, no it's fucked up that's why yeah. you feel so helpless because and, you know, even Invincible, the character that actually is the protagonist of this is feeling pretty helpless. You might not have like I appreciate because I, when I watched this for the second time, like I really appreciated that first like intro where there's like like five minutes, five minutes. You're just spending time with these two security guards at the White House talking about. And this one father yeah. goes on about like, you know, he had his, his teenage son who he had a troubled relationship with. and. Is all in high school, but like this kid's like really buckled down and 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 grown up and matured, and now he's graduating high school, and and his his parents are secretly planning to take him to London, like a big uh, bucket list thing he's always wanted to do because he's just so damn he's because he stared down and conquered his demons, he's so damn proud of the man he's becoming, and I'm like oh, that's a really great bookend or like a or not a bookend it's that's not a really like a great microcosm to- sort of parallel. Yeah, because that is the story that you're told, but but at the end, you're going to have a dad that's disappointed in his son for doing all that and coming to the wrong conclusions instead of thinking you're an Uber man and you should be able to do anything you want. Like those experiences have humanized him and humbled him and, you know, made him appreciate uh, uh, humanity and freedom all the more. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how once you recontextualize the things that Omni-Man is telling Invincible or his son Mark throughout this, like there's one line where he says, you know, it's okay to be scared or doubt yourself. It's just you got to push through those things and that's what matters, you know, right. if you can get the job done. And what he's talking about is something entirely different than what you think he's talking about. Exactly. Uh, and recontextualizing that is pretty fucking grim. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of like there's it's it's so much it's so interesting to see um how much foreshadowing there is in this first episode. For example, one of the big devastating blows is when Omni Man and, and you're aware of the fact that 
uh, Invincible's mother, his human mother, is watching this entire confrontation, mm-hmm. reveals that he thinks of his mom more like a pet than he does an equal or a partner. Yeah. And it reminded me of when, uh, you know, Invincible walks in on them kind of like making out and he's like, oh, my God, don't maybe get the spray bottle like yeah. something you'd use on a naughty pet. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that was uh, uh, it's just some really good stuff. Um, yeah. And a lot about, you know, Mark not being sure he can live up to um, his father's you know, wholesome, amazing reputation being the savior of of the earth. Uh, yeah. that, that's all in there and i i was surprised because i thought the story was going to be about mark trying to live up to his father's reputation um and, and i wasn't like super impressed by that i wasn't gonna i, I it wasn't as interesting as what they ultimately did oh for sure for sure because i've seen that story way too many times oh yeah um but there's a lot of other stuff that like is um Early on in the series, in the first episode, I'm pretty sure his mother is trying to correct Mark on something. And he's like, like, I'd like to see you make me. And I've seen like that a different a bunch of different times. Like the the, the one I can really think of is uh, uh, King of the Hill, where Bobby learns how to rack people and he incapacitates <laughs> his old man. Uh, and, and he's he's essentially in, until until Peggy stands up to him and he can't he doesn't have that power over her. Yeah. Um, but like was she just deadpans is like, does that make you feel strong mm-hmm. that I can't physically stop or overpower you? And like just little stuff like that really sets up. And there's a lot of things, you know, um, a lot of things in the middle chapters that kind of explore those things and like his mother's philosophy and the things that she instilled him. You can kind of see I, I, I grew to appreciate that, like maybe his father was lying these kind of fascist tracks the whole time, but his mother was in there with like you know, kind of like subverting it or diluting it with some of her, you know, um, more humanism. Uh, yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. For sure. Did you get, there's also, there's a really interesting uh, conceit that they have in the episode. And I really liked how uh, every time in the first bit of the episode, someone will say the word invincible and it will throw the title card up. And the first one is like pristine. But like as the episodes go on, it gets more and more blood soaked as like the body count adds up Mm -hmm. as like, you know, the 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 guilt and suspicion around uh, um, uh, Omni Man, because, you know, he's he's got to keep covering his tracks. Right. Like until you get to the final title card and it just looks like Rocky at the end of any of the Rockies. (laughs) Uh Um, It's just completely blood soaked, soaked. I I, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. They do. A lot of things where you can tell they've really thought about like the scenario and the creation of this show. They had the, what'd you think of the around the world playing a catch session? That was fun. It was fun, but I was trying to do, I was like, I was like, there's no way the map works that way. If you could throw a baseball (laughs) bat that can go around the world in like 30 seconds, it's, it's, it's achieved escape velocity, right? Or probably, or at at the very least the friction has heated it up to where it just disintegrates. Probably. Yeah. yeah, or if it's made out of some indefensible or in, indefensible, indestructible vitrimite material, it would like incandesce like some kind of massive meteor just tearing through the earth. Yeah, but yeah. it was a fun. It was a fun. It was a fun idea. Uh-huh. Um, what, what's up with Seance Dog? Is that a thing? Like, does he read a lot of Seance Dog uh, comics throughout the show? 
Or is it just? Well, in you that know, first I didn't episode? watch. I didn't rewatch the whole episode the show. Um, I don't know because, like, in this, in the, this is one of those things where it's like there's real life comic books and there's real life heroes and there's also fictional comic books. So I'm not really sure where they're at in Seance Dog because I don't think there's a lot of supernatural shit. In, gotcha. in the series, there might be one. Maybe there's one episode that does some kind of supernatural thing, but I don't know. Um, I thought they did a good job. Like this is um, one of the quintessential origin stories of a hero, too, mm-hmm. because uh, it's uh, Omni Man's son inheriting his his powers for the first time. And I've seen a lot of these. You know, a lot of guys trying to struggle to fly. But I think this one the best. Like kind of like it was almost terrifying. Like I've had a dream. Like everyone's had a dream where you're flying, but you can't stop and you float in the space. And like, what are you going to do? And you're getting up into clouds. Like they yeah. did that kind of like how terrifying these powers out of control are. Um, better than just about anything I've ever seen before. And I love the the description about coming back down, where it's like trying to pee your pants. You know, it's so unnatural, like nobody, yeah. nobody can do it because everything is telling you don't let this happen. Your body is whole life. Yeah. Tensing up. And the more you tense, the less you could pee. And uh-huh. the more you think about peeing, the more you tense. So, yeah, it yeah. was it was really funny. The, the coming back down from the flying. But it checks out a lot of the, you know, clumsy use of powers, homemade mm-hmm. costume uh, that that was that was a lot of fun. Um, and then, like I said, the. The ending of episode one ends in kind of this triumphant note that, you know, he comes up with this title. He's invincible. His dad has said he's proud of him and that he's given him a superhero speech that is, you know, going to end up being subverted before the end. But then they have this long 15 minute post credit sequence that completely, like I said, you go into that first episode of Invincible and at the end of it, you're thinking, you know, I don't know. I might not watch the end of this, but then that. I, I to me that in credit sequence <laughs> completely reinvested in me. I was very entertained at all the dis- yeah. little, little scenes of all the uh, the individual Avengers or Justice League people kind of going in their day to day life. There was some fun, mm-hmm. interesting things like uh, the fish man just kind of sitting on his throne, like you know what is fuck Ariel and under the sea. This shit's boring. Waiting to get the call, and mm-hmm. then just the gore. Yeah, the yeah. remorseless like when like imagine Superman getting a hold of Batman and giving him the whole like Loki Hulk treatment and what that would look like or, you know, Superman crushing a dude's skull. It's fucking fucking wild. And they withhold all of that until that, that scene. Um, There's like nothing I would call gory in the first 40 minutes of this first episode. Nothing to the point where I I was thinking like, people say this is a gory show. I haven't seen any of it. This could be on Disney. Like this is, this said TA TVMA. What the fuck? (laughs) Right. Which only serves to heighten it when it finally does go gory. Uh, I think that's a smart decision. And then I assume the rest of the series is just as blood soaked as the end of this episode. Cause certainly that last episode is. It's not as consistent as maybe the boys, but yeah, there's uh, a lot of fucked up shit that that, that happens for sure. Um, you, you know, I, I don't know that. What is the definition anymore of a post credit sequence? Because dude, I, I we got to the end of this, epi- the quote unquote end of this episode. I looked down at my notes and then no more than two seconds later, I realized, oh, the show is still going like I got a title card or something. Is that? Is that considered yeah. credits now and a post? Cre- that's uh, not post credits. It's just more of the episode. I think it's because they. 
it's funny because in uh, when I was preparing the notes, uh, Brian here said, make sure that the, I know that Jim sometimes like fucking peels out of theaters for you got a reputation. Yeah, uh, but if I were to try and get out of my chair, I couldn't even get the time. I couldn't get the recliner to go back down before this thing was already halfway into the post credits. So, yeah. And, and so I, I dutifully I text you and say, hey, I forgot that there is a post because I remembered. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. If he misses that, it's like he like I imagine if you missed that, that like the, <laughs> what the, the scene, fuck? you'd be like, what the fuck? So I, I said, yeah, mate, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. But then when I watched it, I'm like, oh, there's no fucking way. There's because, no way like, to miss it. So yeah. I think it's be, I don't I think it's um, I think it's like a it's more of like, um, oh, God, what do they call um, uh, a fall? Fo- OK, it's so like in England, there's like no shit castles. You know, they're hundreds of years old and they stood up to sieges. And but also in the 18th and 19th century, it was fashionable to build amongst the landed gentry castles that they called follies because they're not real castles like hmm. you could you know like a, 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 a I don't know a fucking one cannonball knocks the whole thing down I uh-huh. feel like that this was a folly of an end credit scene because they knew huh. if you fucking missed it that yeah. it was going to be over like you so like they have to but but also it did give you that kind of like oh there's the title card mm-hmm. I guess that's the end of the episode and then they hit you with something intense like that I, I felt like it was effective but it was You're right. It's not it's not something you could possibly miss. No, it's almost like it's a line between the two tones of the show, right? Because the tone of the show up until then is very much lighter. Yeah. And Superman. Then, but what if his dad was superpowered too? you know? Yeah. Right. And then it switches gears after that. What I will call end title card because it's not credits. <laughs> Um, so that's the first episode and then like the second episode I don't know much there's to talk about but like it just there's so much depravity when um, because here's like Mark and in the, in the, the preceding couple episodes they are fighting you know Walton Goggins team is essentially fighting a shadow war against Omni-Man mm-hmm. because they don't want him to know that they know because then Omni-Man will probably kill them all but they also are trying very hard to kill Omni-Man so they're like letting loose Cthulhu beasts from the government's vault, you know, like all of Omni-Man's greatest, you know, <laughs> villains, like they're unleashing an, an attempt to try to get and Marcus there, like shows up to try to help him. And that's not, but then like, you know, um, the final thing they do is they hit him with the immortal, which you know, that the uh, Omni-Man killed in the first episode, chopped his head off. It oh, out, right. It yeah. turns out the immortal, like, I guess his power is like, as long as his head's not separated from his body, he can't die. So they just reattach his head and he pops back to life and he comes hmm. to kills and he almost does it. Um, but like he's obviously like this is Mark's first inkling that his dad has gone bad because like the you know, this literal superhero is saying you killed us all. You betrayed us. Yeah. And then Omni-Man rips him in half and says you should have stayed dead. So what the, you know, how's he going to get out of this one? He can't. And, that's and they when, showed that in the previously on. I remember. And that, yeah. And that's the stage of, that. of and this this almost the entire episode is Omni-Man methodically beating his son, mm-hmm. um, dehumanizing people in front of him and then expounding on his fascist ideology at the same time. Yeah. Uh, like it starts with like, um, you know, there's like an F-22 pilot that tries to eject and Omni-Man almost kills him and Mark saves him. And he's like, what are you doing? You almost killed this guy. And Omni-Man just says, all that effort and for what? And he just casually crushes the man's head. Mm-hmm. 
And that keeps repeating like on a larger scale. Like, and he's like, I don't, I don't, I, it's like, look, these kids, these people are a, 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 a speck of, uh, of dust and we're gods here. Let me try to explain it to you again. He throws him through an entire city, like destroying half the people personally killing this, this small mom and her child and still uh, invincible fights against them. Then he plows him through a whole fucking subway full, tube full of people. And he's just like, he's like, I, you know, we can just keep doing this again and again. Kills a cruise liner full of people. Just like, it's so fucking horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like the boys violence and gore is very cool. But there is a point like most of the final episode where like I did not perceive it as cool anymore. It was just it was just uh, uh, almost to be to the point where like if they did it a, a little bit more, I was going to start getting Theon uh Greyjoy vibes where it's like Jesus Christ do we really need to peel another pinky do I re- yeah. really need to ha- see this guy's balls and cock chopped off what like <laughs> I get it I get it this is torture mm-hmm. um, how did you feel about it uh yeah I I'm with you like like I said I was feeling uh a lot of very visceral emotions during this because I yeah felt felt betrayed um by that character but also i felt extremely impotent watching uh and rooting for invincible as he gets his ass just pummeled um you know and every time you think he's gonna have the hero's sort of big moment his his third act uh you know boost of strength and come in and kick omni's ass it just continues to not happen every time and especially since it gets like um, depressing of how like you get the idea like this is very much uh, Luke Skywalker versus Vader or like Vader's just kind of fucking with him at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then he does something to really piss Vader off and then it's just slash lish your arm's gone. There's a moment in that where, you know, like Omni Man just has had enough and it's like, you know, what's another 17 years? I'll just kill you and make another one and I'll start all this again. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like. It's like the the way this guy talks is such classic abuser speak like you did this. Look what you made me do. This is your right. fault. The reason this has happened is because the way you are, Mark, like um, it's 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 just a great to, to, to because he, he this, you know, Mark is Superman, right? But he's a 17 year old Superman. Mm-hmm. And even if he was as powerful as Omni-Man, he's not. He's like not even close like that. They, they make yeah. that final battle so fucking lopsided. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, but even if he was, he's 17 and this is his dad. Like, how are you going to kill your father? It's a Luke Skywalker problem. Sure. And I was, I remember watching it for the first time and scrambling, like, what the fuck is going to happen? Are the Guardians of Earth going to do something to pull it out? Is, is, you know, is like, they're going to be some kind of thing with the mom. Like, but it is very Luke Skywalker and the, and, and Vader in that for whatever reason, he just couldn't kill his boy. Yeah. It felt a little too abrupt. And maybe that's a consequence of not having watched the first, the other six episodes between it, but it felt very abrupt. He see, he knocks out his son's teeth. And oh, then as he's about to deliver like another blow, he remembers blow, probably. probably he remembers, uh, this baseball game that his son had when he was younger and had this big gap in front of his teeth and how, you know, happy he was for his kid who hit an in the park home run. Um, he he had that moment where he realized what it felt to be human, right? What life was all about. And in that, I, I was so wrapped up in hating this dude. And that moment was so abrupt that 
it didn't quite land with me. I didn't, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that this guy who has spent X amounts of thousands of years, uh, it, you know, fully buying into the Viltramite system, yeah, whatever I, they I, are. That fucking name. I Viltramite, like, I think. Yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that this dude would change, would have a moment like that and just change his mind and decide, I'm just going to bounce. I thought so. I mean, maybe it's because I saw the whole series, but like when that landed, um, I thought it was like I was I just thought it was so well constructed and executed because you get this flashback to baseball game and like Omni Man's being an asshole. You don't really know. And his mom's like, how can you see that face and not feel the same way? How the scene starts and then ends. I mean, like you said, you know, he's got this big gap tooth grin because he's a kid. He's got his two front teeth missing and he's smiling and they dissolve Mm -hmm. that to Mark's current face, which he's missing his front two teeth. And yep. instead of grinning, he's like grimacing and spurting up blood. And I think like they really w- went for broke on the facial animations of Omni Man because like he's just kind of disgusted with himself. And I don't think he also understands what's happened, what this love connection has been made. And mm-hmm. he like flees the planet at like, you know, light speed, like uh, his his clothes incinerating from the friction, tears streaming from his face in space. Like I don't, and and they also sell like a, you, you, they they reintroduce this this intergalactic space cop kind of guy um, at the end that's come back to tell Mark that like because there's this, this comedic misunderstanding if he's supposed to go to Earth uh, and he ended up at Earth mm-hmm. and he but he came back as like oh I just found out that you got a vit, a Vegemite on your planet and those guys are fucking the worst <laughs> um, but like they kind of explain how like this has literally never happened. Like yeah. a Vegemite soldier has never, ever left his post in this right. way. So you I know, think the problem that is sets up really interesting things for seasons to come. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the, the he also plants to see that, hey, the, the Vegemites are not just going to let this happen. They're going to come in sure. more force and you guys are fucked, which right, I, I assume sets up Omni-Man coming back and having to make a choice to fight against him or with but the there's sun this whole and, ragtag alliance of super beings that's apparently opposing uh, the Vegemite the that they could plug into and yeah 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 I mean sounds super exciting I, I guess the the thing that kind of kept me from feeling they had earned the 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 change of heart that Omni-Man this has day of execution right is not only was the fight super lopsided but the argument was super lopsided i never felt like invincible landed any mental blows on his father either oh i don't know because like when he said he goes like think mark what will you have after 500 years and he goes you dad i'd have you like i think that got to him like that like yeah, yeah shit, that I'm one about but to... they didn't plant the and seeds they didn't also, do like, enough before that dude, that's why it felt I... so abrupt yeah, and I don't know enough about Omni Man. Like, is this his first child? Like, I'm not sure if this is his first assignment. I kind of think it is. Um, yeah, it could be. But it's hard to say because, like, as the older they get, the slower they age. And, you know, like, because you see his commissioning ceremony and looks the same. But what the fuck does that even mean? Right. To a guy like Omni Man. So, like, I, but I felt like this is the first time. So, this might be the first, you know, kind of like human relay because I, I don't know what the the father-son relationships are like on vegemite but apparently not anywhere near like they they are here on earth so like maybe this is his first kind of like human 
father-son bond this is experienced and he doesn't know what it feels so he doesn't know what he's feeling and how and why but i mean that's, i got so many questions about the yeah. vegemites like this this the <laughs> idea of a super society that through some kind of gladiatorial conquest eliminated half of their plan just completely eliminated everything that's weak mm-hmm. uh, and again it's a planet of fucking superman right um i just like what is it what is it? I, I really hope they explore the implications of what that society is like yeah um because I get that I guarantee they got to be arrogant and lazy because they've never had to work for, you know, like uh, and I wonder if they're what, what the exploitable things will be to a, a race of Superman of Uberman. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing. I think that they're doing in boys that they didn't do here yet. And maybe they'll get around to it is the psychology, right? Like, how do you control a guy like Omni Man? Um, how do you control a guy like Homelander? who has seemingly infinite power, is indestructible, can do absolutely anything he wants at any time. But you're not going to control him with physical force. You're going to have to control him mentally. So, yeah, I think there will probably be weaknesses that they can exploit in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big, I guess the biggest question I have, like whether this is his first assignment or not, he's come to Earth, he's had a kid, I want to know why he's fucking his pets. Why are you fucking your pets, Omni-Man? That's yeah, not a thing it's... you should be doing. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, going back and rewatching some of this stuff with that knowledge is kind of right? fucking mind blowing that this is, you know, he's yeah, he's he's yeah. How'd he's, you have a kid anyway? It means you fucked your pet. Don't do that. <laughs> well, Vegemite DNA is so strong. He's essentially so so uh, uh, he, he's yeah, he's just so powerful. Uh, yeah, he's got the super sperm. Uh, <laughs> I. Yeah, and also like the thing that the the big open questions as far as outside of like the bigger implications, but like how do you move on as a family from something like this? Because that's the thing that was like really ultra fucked is not only this is happening, you talk about impotence, but his mom Mm -hmm. is sitting here on some government compound watching this battle royale where her son's getting murdered by her husband who just revealed that he thinks of her like a prized dog. Mm-hmm. and like Mark going up to casually to talk about dinner and she's just fucking sobbing her guts out upstairs. Like, how do you move on as a, as a family? How do you move on as a son? How do you like, it's like very rare that you get this kind of whiplash, like usually abusive relationship like this, like Mark would have been abused ever since he was like a small boy and you think it was normal. Like right. it's kind of a, and that's where it's like, I also don't understand why Omni man decided to hide out as a super person. Um, why wouldn't yeah. he just, well, yeah, I don't know. I guess I could start ad hoc making things up, but like, um, and it seemed like he was also a giant asshole. Like that scene at the the baseball games. Like, why why did you guys ever even fall in love? Right, like, you go into the the bestiality argument if we're making it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like what what does that what does that even mean? Uh, how did you fall in love? Why did you decide to do that? Is uh, is that yeah? Was was he charming and and charismatic and and fun loving at some point and just turned into a stoic asshole like yeah man that first episode where they're so in love and they can't keep their hands off each other and like where you want to go to breakfast uh uh, and that's a great idea like that's such a cool idea it's like these people are in love and it's superman's like oh we'll just jet to paris i can we can be there in 15 fucking minutes uh or let's go to that sausage place and like how do you go from that to like well she's just basically like a pet to me you know um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and there's like uh, I thought there's a really effective use of the I just want to be like you. There's like a montage of like what 
he meant when he said that in the beginning and then what how he came to appreciate that meant at the end um and then you probably don't appreciate this because you didn't see the whole thing but like there's this at the very end of it the uh like uh, space cop essentially asked invincible so what are you going to do now and there's montage of just absolutely mind-blowing or mental implications for next year like plots that i thought were done with that are like becoming bigger and like you know Mm. new villains that are forming alliances and consolidating power and like and it just goes on and on and on until i've almost forgot what the fuck started it and just smash cuts to mark's face he's like i don't know probably finish high school Mm -hmm. and it's so fucking funny uh nice. and cool it's such a great way to get you amped for next season i guess i was that's the other thing i was curious about like do you think you will check out next season do you think you'll check out the entire first season or Oof. uh <laughs> the second season i'm more likely to check out do i want to go back and watch six more hours of middle bits mm. i would say that they're not a like big i the the it, it's it's closer to a walking dead episode you know, they're not quite all hour. Yeah, long like 40 something was. But yeah, they're, they're tend to be trimmer. But um, yeah, maybe I'll pick up season two when it comes out, because, yeah, I certainly enjoyed it. And I'm very curious to see how it comes uh, <laughs> into its own in season two. Yeah, me too. I figured that like season two will probably just avoid the Vegemite thing. Like he's just gone and like that'll be a constant threat that you kind of almost forget about it until like the end of the season because yeah. there's just so much. Like personal, like he's got a, a human, you know, normal girlfriend. He's also got like one of those, uh, I don't know what they call them in Justice League or Ju- uh, Suicide Squad, para para humans or something. Um, that Adam Eve, there, there's been some sparks there, and um, you know, I, I there, there's a lot of like interpersonal stuff, and and the, him trusting the Cecil guy, the the CIA superhero. Uh, Walton Goggins character um, him mm-hmm. trying to figure out how, what, how to go forth his mom um, I'm, oh. I'm excited for all that stuff speaking of the, the Cecil guy the guy I thought was the president because uh, of his American flag pin <laughs> um, th- th- that was maybe the, the weakest thing and the thing that makes me go hmm, do I really want to watch the other aspects of this show because I didn't really care for the like stuff in the water that makes humans not be able to see certain spectrums Dude, of light okay. hidden right in You're front of your wrong. face shit that's fucking stupid i it was so out of nowhere i, I did it come up at any other point because it seemed like nah. an introduction of this concept that's just like out of nowhere for no, no reason it, it felt too clever kind of like you know like one up in yeah. conspiracy theory it's like oh you hear right. about fluoride diluting your pred no what it's doing is it's blinding you from seeing things in plain sight the obvious truth I, yeah <laughs> yeah i felt like that it's a little bit too man and blacky which is sure. funny and not serious but I also, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Is is a one? It, it hit me. It hit me wrong too. I, okay, and, but but it most didn't ruin of it, is, it. But like, I was just like, mm, okay, not down with that. Whatever. I feel like it's. I, I left this this a lot like in the first John Wick, where I had so many questions about like there. You know, Cecil among other things leads up this top secret, highly effective, not, not only cleanup agency but also superhero rescue service. Like they have like this advanced crazy technology to rapidly heal and care for oh, like super right. people and like mm-hmm. administer IVs to Superman things like that. Like 
Uh, in the same way that like, you know, what is this hotel and the gold coins and how you can just uh, book a dinner party for four and guys come up and put sh- bodies in acid. And I'd like yeah. to know more about the world. And I'm excited to see if they if they do anything with that. Um, yeah, because now like the Earth, like that's the thing like Earth is essentially at the end of the season has no mature heroes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just got these teenagers. It's got the next generation. Um, and, uh, yeah, like what the, and, and there's still a lot of super villains though, left over and they're consolidating power and forming new alliances. And there's this, all this obviously power vacuum. That stuff is all pretty interesting too. Yeah. Maybe I'll just wait for Brian to recommend the next two episodes I should watch of season two. <laughs> and I'll go so watch those more, episodes. It's so much more efficient. Yeah. It's so right? much more efficient. Right. Uh, where you get liver dad in here and it's like, you know, uh, take these six episodes in the middle, cut it into yeah. that missing second act. Right. Uh, you'd probably have to just focus on the, the investigation and Omni man and his like seeming paranoia and the suspicion mm-hmm. of the mother and all that stuff. Cause yeah, I think, I think you could cut this down into a really nice two hour, 15 minute anti-superhero movie. And I, like I said, I am delighted about the constant leapfrogging in terms of like, black humor and like gore and all that stuff but i i do wonder like what how much further can you push this shit you know before yeah regardless of how you want it to it's like it's going to um start appearing as like parody or cool or funny you know yeah this show is not as funny as the boys you know i I think boys has a much more lighthearted uh you know uh tongue-in-cheek tone this show doesn't this show takes itself very seriously i think there's a little bit like i said there's a couple of rick and morty aspects uh the invincible's got a very neat uh kind of peter parker pithy uh yeah, kind of patter as he's by fighting and stuff and there's some some fairly colorful characters that so it's it's mm-hmm. i think the first and last episode are bad ways to judge it because it's very it's trying okay. very hard in the first episode to be smallville uh-huh. And then the second episode is fucking Apocalypse Now, or the last one is Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So, but but it, no, it's not Harley Quinn. It's not. It's no, not the no. Suicide Squad. It's but, not the boys. Uh, it's yeah. not the boys either, because no. you know it's it's fundamentally. But then I I also wonder how much longer the boys will be the boys, because they are yeah. ever increasing like emotional stakes, and like usually emotional stakes are um and and characters you care for are like poison the comedy like. <laughs> Like always sure. sunny would not be funny if you gave a shit about the gang. You know, uh-huh. if you actually cared for them as people <laughs> and wanted to see them do better, it would be terrible. <laughs> It'd be a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get to Brian's. He's had some questions. I imagine we covered a lot of them just organically, but uh, I just want to, you know, it's a commission podcast. So I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Uh, he says, I got some qu- feedback questions. The way the non soups just live day to day with the death of innocence from the constant barrage of supervillains reminded me a little of the metaphor for living with COVID. Any thoughts? He says, in parentheses, I suppose every show over every other show over the next decade will be seen through the lens of COVID, much like the decade after 9-11 was seen through the lens of terrorism. Mm-hmm. I better rewatch the leftovers to be even more poignant now than when it aired. This is astute because holy shit, are we going to be choked with the amount of takes from Hollywood about the post COVID world. Um, yeah, I'm hoping clearly, it's still too soon. Yeah. I hope we don't clearly get you were getting right those now. vibes though. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, I, I feel too, is like, you know, I see so many people just behaving badly and not mm-hmm. even according to their own core values as like Christians. And, um, and you do feel impotent. Cause like, what are you going to do? You know, you're just, you're just, 
just asking people to the wear you know wear a mask or get vaccinated or you know do some basic stuff for your fellow men and your fellow women and they don't do it um and they're, yeah. they're talking about these values it, it, it is kind of like omni-man like being mm-hmm. lectured about freedom and and liberty uh by like someone that subscribes to a death cult it's it's really it's an interesting experience um yeah as these modern times are in definitely was thinking about that stuff he says, how many different ways could the superhero genre be deconstructed and still be made interesting? And he, he cites as examples, Deadpool, Logan, Watchmen, The Boys, etc. Not too many more. I don't know. I'm not the greatest person to ask about this because I'm not steeped in comic book uh, history. So there are probably a few more, but I don't know what they are. I mean, anything that is a human problem can be dealt with through the lens of superheroes, you know, like disability, old age. Like we already had dementia, like, you know, Logan was a lot about that, like dementia and old age. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Deadpool is just kind of funny and irreverent. Irrever- Watchmen's taken on systemic racism. Like as long as you have a new take, even the boys and Invincible, there's very little daylight between them. But but as we talked about in the beginning, the fundamental relationship between uh, Omni-Man and Invincible is different from Homelander and what I can't remember his son's name, Sean or something. I, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's like asking how many ways can you make a Western or how many ways you can make a cop film? Mm-hmm. You know, think about like the difference, like the fundamental difference between like Dirty Harry and The Wire, right? Like. Yeah. It's it's the point of view. It's the it's the more the morality and ethical framework. I I don't. I, yeah, I, I think they're just it's just now, actually, that we're relaxed enough about superheroes that we can start doing interesting things with them. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that would be the challenge for Marvel, because like maybe that stuff starts to be seeming like unfashionable. Like, you know, can you do a straight up just patriotic, um, you know, big hearted Captain America movie nowadays? Uh, or does it have to be wrapped in some layer of cynicism about the government and about right. you know people's capacity for good? And I ah, fuck, I don't know, man. But like, seems like this is just a genre, and you can mm-hmm. do almost anything with a fucking genre for sure. Horror, see, like I was a superhero horror movie. Like they did that. The Brightburn in this, yeah, yeah, okay, with Brightburn, yeah. Uh, but there's that's a rich mind like this. You know, when, when you hear Jim talking about that powerlessness and stuff like that's a lot of the same thing mm-hmm. that people talk about in terms of like zombie, like why that stuff is such an enduring thing or so, like, supernatural, mix, like ghost ghost stories too. the powerlessness of that. Yeah, that you just there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm I'm pretty bullish as far as like if, if, if they can. But the other thing is like maybe a glut of superhero films kills them. Yeah, and then you could. don't the the genre just kind of like westerns kind of goes away. Yeah. Uh, the same question can be asked with the of the ante being raised by this show with its ultra violence. It's hard to imagine twenty years from now that even more hardcore shows would be like. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say that, except for as a forty five year old man, there's some things I've been predictably wrong about. Um, <laughs> surely this will be the biggest hard drive I've ever bought. Surely <laughs> video game graphics cannot possibly be more realistic. Yeah. And surely the violence and sex in society has come to a crescendo. And you can make a case. I mean, I remember in the 90s, like the body counts. Like, oh, my God, the, there's over 200 people killed in. Uh, 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 what was that? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to Mars. Uh, Total Recall. Yeah. 
and the body count of RoboCop and how over the top and like look at that now and it's nothing, right? Yeah. The thing I'm worried they're going to do is combine the two great flavors that maybe don't go great together, the violence and the sex in a way mm. that like the boys is starting to get around to you know, laser and tits. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that can go real, real off the rails real fast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of one of the things Kirkman is known for is the over the top, uh, violence, right? You look at the walking dead comics, extremely violent, extremely gory. Um, all of that is intentional. Uh, he says the amazing cast really makes the characters. Yeah, I the like I said, the vocal talent is so much fun, and there's like a ton of you know famous people that you'll be like, is that who I think it is? And you look them up, and of course it is. And what's so much fun is uh, Amazon and most interfaces makes it super easy. Just like push the up button, and like you get to see the whole cast that's in the scene. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, thoughts and feelings on the trolling that happens in the first episode with the brutality saved till the end. I had to check and look the rating halfway through because I thought it must be PG-13. Yep. I found it created great shock value for me, but at the same time did a disservice to the majority of the first episode. As I said, I watched it with arms crossed, not paying attention, as close attention, thinking it's just another Justice League cartoon. But on rewatch, I have to commend the writers for going through origin moments, character building efficiently and impactfully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, you're watching it through sort of narrowed eyes when you hear its reputation uh, and see what they put on screen for the first 40 minutes. It, but it pays off. I think as long as you have the patience to sit through that stuff. And it's not like that part isn't entertaining. It's just not what you expect yeah. with its reputation. But if you yeah. can sit through it, it's it pays off. Yeah, like I said, even taking a look, like it is very Smallville. But even that, like, it's got the one of the best Superman coming into his own powers, being out of control scene. It's got mm-hmm. some really hard and like those moments like. You're right that this this first entire episode is essentially like the first stage of Apollo rocket. It's just designed to be jettisoned and burn up an atmosphere like nothing, yeah. like everything about it almost is a lie and a fake. <laughs> but you uh, need it to boost in the orbit, right? Right. So, yeah, I, I thought it's great. Oh, uh, all, all that stuff. It, like raises a question of my own because I, I remember the scenes where he's like getting his suit made for him and he's got to decide his name and all that stuff. I was wondering if you were a superhero, what would your name be? I, I think I'd be like the microphone and the beard. My my voice would have the power to put people to sleep. So I'd be the beard, I'm the podcaster. I'd be the beard, and my beard would have like Doctor Strange cape powers. It could just kind of flow. Uh huh. I could fly with it. It can restrain my enemies. Nice. Um, it can probably detach from my face and do my bidding. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I need. All right. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> obviously talk about the subway scene. We, we, that's, yeah, that's the, uh, highlight of, uh, of the peak depravity for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. And he said also no, uh, Nolan obviously felt regret as he left the earth. And I hope they don't try to make this redemption story for him because he just seems so far gone. I mean, I, is there anything to know? Like, like, let's talk about that in a minute. Is there anything that Nolan can do to redeem himself after killing so many? In comparison, how many folks did Darth Vader kill and the original trilogy that was considered his redemption story? I, I don't know. That, I guess that's the one thing that I look at the show and go, oh, this is a traditional show and in this way, in that they have the character pull his punch at the end, the villain pull his punch to have a change of heart, right? The, the good guy does get some measure of a win at the very end of this show. I, 
I kind of didn't expect that. Um, after I, my expectations changed somewhere in the middle of it, I was like, oh, they're going to do, you know, the standard thing where they, you know, have the hero make the, his powerful comeback. He looks like he's getting his ass kicked, but then it'll, he'll turn it around and kick the ass of the bad guy. And then that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, this show is different. But then they had this moment where he changes his heart in like a very schmaltzy kind of, you know, emotional uh, flashback moment. And I'm like, okay, well, the show is that show. It's just they faked me out longer than I thought. So I I don't know. I, I think I would be prepared. I would be holding on to your butt for the return of a changed Omni-Man who's now like going to fight against the things or fight alongside his son against the things that he believed for so long. It, this might have more traditional bones than you think it will. Yeah, and I'm like, that's what some of the great things about art and entertainment is allows you to kind of entertain these like wild notions. Like what is the limits of redemption and forgiveness and whatever? And I, I guess my question is mm-hmm. like, if you went outside and you know, you had a three-year-old that had a magnifying glass and they're just methodically burning ants in an anthill. And you were like, Hey, you know, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm just, you know, doing just a burning ants and anthill. They're like, you know, those those, those ants uh, actually have hopes and dreams and ambitions. And you, if you hook up a microphone, they can like if, if you would you say that that kid was like irredeemable? Like, is he just like, I mean, I'm not talking about like a 12 year old who's torturing cats or, you know, like uh, setting dogs on fire. I'm talking about a three year old burning ants in an anthill. And if you could say that, like, okay, well, that, kid, that kid's not a lost cause. Like, you've got you got to see the world the way this Vegemite guy is seeing it, right? Like, he sees us as kind of like pets to be managed, as like unruly animals to be conquered, and like, and and also like, there's a lot of things in in modern day. Like, imagine him landing here in in the 21st century, and we're fighting over whether another million of us should die over you know getting a vaccine or something, and like we. Or fighting and like look at the shit that like the 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 people falling off planes in Afghanistan and shit like there's a lot of evidence that we can't fucking handle shit on our own and like a supreme you know as what I'm saying is like he's just got a completely different experience than we do and an intendingly different moral and ethical framework so like I'm not going to ever say black and white the Omni Man can't be redeemed you know um. It just depends. Now, like he probably won't be redeemed for everybody. Obviously, uh, if you were like a survivor of a family member of that subway scene, like you probably have. But you know, can he save the Earth? Can he save his son? Can he reject his Vegemite inheritance and fight on the right side at the end? <laughs> sure, sure. Here, I'm going to say something controversial. I okay. don't think. You have. I don't think you have to justify his worldview and his POV in order to say that this guy could be redeemable. I think the concept of redemption is something that humanity should absolutely strive toward, no matter who it is, no matter what they've done, no matter how bad it is. Mm-hmm. If if you can convince someone that you are legitimately redeemed, you have forsaken everything you thought before everything you did before if you can make me understand that that is actually true i think you should be forgiven no matter what you've done period 
Yeah, because what's the other alternative to make a moral system to where once a person crosses an event horizon, they're just damned. And there's nothing right. they can do. What like comes? Why? What what's what is good about that? What yeah. what is what is noble about that? What is uh, nothing valuable about that? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It's yeah. a, it's it's at at best a waste of resources. At worst, it's immoral. Yeah. Um. So like I I think that stuff is. And, you know, like, even if uh, he gets forgiveness, does he forgive himself? Like, uh, there's lots. I, I think that's the, like I said, really interesting. In real life, you know, the, we see that, too. Like, some people are a lot freer to forgive than others. A lot of people, you know, uh, yeah. And some people more are going to need more redemption. Like, you're, you're going to have to sure. go a hell of a long way to convince me that Hitler deserves uh, a second chance. You're not going to sure. go nearly as far to convince me that a jaywalker needs a second chance right like there's a a vast chasm of the proof i'm going to need that you are in fact a changed individual to forgive you between those two extremes uh but i wouldn't ever say that even someone uh like omni-man in this case is irredeemable or that he should be considered irredeemable yeah, and it's like he has, Hitler's an interesting comparison because, like, say, say he doesn't swallow the cyanide pill or blow his head off, whatever he did, and he ends up swinging at the Hague for sure, for sure. Like, fuck that redemption shit. Like in real life, he doesn't. Yes. You know, he gets death, and and every and no one it. But but on the but like we're talking about like in a completely altruistic, perfect world, mm-hmm. would you would would he you treat him like Negan and you lock him up and you know uh, forever have him think about it? Do you try to like I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what a fucking utopia looks like. Um, and there are people in this world that I hate and I would have a hard time forgiving. Um, right. And yet, and it would probably take someone better than me to step, step in and say, no, you can't see this person, uh, swinging in the head. You you can't. Yeah. Sorry. And I'd be angry and maybe eventually they would convince me, but it might take a lot. I just saying it's something we should strive toward. Certainly. Yeah, and it's like, you know, you could get like you could take it to the extremes like Hitler, or you can talk about like a man who killed another man uh when he was nineteen and stupid. Um and he serves jail for fifteen years. Like Nicholas Cage the, and Con Air, yeah. There you go. If I'm the son <laughs> of the guy he killed, like I don't think that guy should ever be locked out. He should be right. you know, you, you but like if we, we can't yeah, you can't set the rules of society for what the most aggrieved victim would want to happen. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, I that's what I love shit like this, because it allows you to kind of like have those conversations without invoking people who are yeah. hurting real life people, you know, uh-huh. because, yeah. So I, I, I hope they do go there. And I the other thing is, like, I think it'd also be interesting if he doesn't get redeemed, um, because I think that's something interesting is like, what do you do as a child of an abused parent when because that's the like no one's totally evil, like. It's, I imagine it's really fucked up for Mark to have all these loving memories of his dad and all these words of wisdom and all the like cuddles and tickles and good times and laughs. And also that his dad is a monster. Yeah. You know, like people like dads and moms that abuse and molest their children. They still like the kids probably had that one day where they took him to Chuck E. Cheese and it was kind of fun. Right. Like, I, I think that's like, what do you do when you're dealing with a monster? But like, also you're you, you have to admit that this person has friends they had a dog that they loved, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like it's the, like people are complex, even ones that are truly evil. They're not all monstrous to everyone all the time. Sure. And how do you fucking sometimes that can fuck you up as a kid, too? Because like, yeah, is he really evil? But he did that one. 
So I think mm-hmm. that stuff is all really interesting. And and that's something that you can do with these superheroes is like it amps up everything. It amps up the stakes. It's no oh, longer yeah. a dad abusing a son and what it's like. You're, you know, like you're talking about, um, you know, you can abuse someone so hard that they become a planetary conqueror. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's I think that stuff is really cool. And the moral and ethical implications of it are uh, neat to to ponder inside this uh, superhero framework. Mm-hmm. Any other last thoughts? I think we 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 covered all Brian's thoughts. Um, like I said, I was skeptical. I was skeptical yeah. because of the subject matter, and I just like, man, what is it going to look like a premiere and a finale? Yep. Um, but it's it it holds together pretty good, and I'm glad you got ninety percent of it. It sounds like. So, oh yeah. And I got a new uh, phrase to live by. When in doubt, throw them into space. When in doubt, throw them into space. I, I'm glad we got the because I had it in my nose. I love that that line. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> Brian S., thank you so much for your support. Thanks for commissioning this movie. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you are curious yourself, uh, not not Brian, uh, but but you listening here in a podcast, how do I get Jim and Aaron to watch something that I really like and talk about it? Well, it's easy. Go to support.baldmove.com. Click on the subheading for Commission of Podcast. All the details are, are there. Throw your money uh, into the box. Hit the submit button, and we'll take it from there. Um, we have been, we were, uh, because we've been busy and vacation stuff, we're a little bit behind, but we're going to start cranking out the commissions again and get caught up. Got a bunch of great ones coming out. Um, but yeah, go to support.baldmove.com. Uh, check out the Commission's Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. Until that time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.